Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 344. Today, we're going to continue through the great story of God that began in Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 11, which I call the primeval period. Now, remember, we're breaking down the entire Old Testament into 10 time periods. Why? Because there's 39 books. 39 books are hard to put together from the standpoint of a storyline. But when you break it down into a fourth of that, a quarter of that, to 10 time periods, it's easier for our minds to grab hold of and to learn the great story of God, which starts out with creation, especially the creation of man that is detailed, his fall, the flood story, God starting new with Noah. And for the first 11 chapters, this is what I call the primeval period or the beginning period. And then we come to Genesis chapter 12, and everything changes with a man called Abraham. Now, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the tribal leaders, the sons of Jacob, who became Israel, they are looked upon as the patriarchs. The patriarchal period lasts from 2100 B.C., where the primeval period ends, and goes down through 1500 B.C. Remember, the patriarchal period is characterized by Patras Arcade, that is, father leaders, those who were not only family leaders and tribal leaders, but they were also priests for their family. This ended with the Exodus and the constituting of the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai, also called Mount Horeb. This is when Israel was given its great moral foundation in stone, literally carved in stone by the finger of God. And they were given their bylaws as to how they were to operate. In other words, it was their constitutional convention, but it was just Moses and God that got together for this to take place. And this happened on top of Mount Sinai over a period of 40 days. And so the patriarchal period goes from Genesis chapter 12 all the way through Genesis chapter 50. And it is primarily talking about two figures in the story. Yes, we know that Abraham had a son, a beloved son, Isaac, and you know the story of Ishmael and Hagar and so forth. We're not going to go into that, but there is another side of the story. But the son of promise was Yitzhak, Isaac, laughter. So this is the story that's told. Isaac had two sons. His two sons were Jacob and Esau. And you know the story there. I covered that briefly in yesterday's podcast. So you know that how Jacob went to Mesopotamia there to the family of Rivka, Rebecca. At that place, Jacob was greatly blessed by God. He served well and got two wives and their handmaidens and had sex with all of them. And he came away with 11 children. Benjamin was to be born later. But his favorite of all, of course, was Joseph. He was the son of his favorite wife, Rachel. Even though it seems impossible to us, looking back retro to the time of the patriarchs, that God blessed these men in spite of having sex with many women and so forth. But the realization is that God did not ordain that, but he blessed in spite 
spite of that, just like he does in spite of many times what we do. And people often say, well, why don't we just do that and God will bless in spite of That's not the attitude of the believer. That's the attitude of a lost person. So if you have that attitude, you may not even be saved. You can have it every now and then. Of course you can, and you can yield to temptation. But that can't be a way of life. That's not the way of a child of God. The Bible says for us to set our affection on things above where Christ sits on the right hand of God, not on things on this earth. You've heard the saying, I've mentioned it before, that some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Introduce me to one of those when you get an opportunity because I've not met one yet, but I have met a lot of people that are so earthly good, they are no good and fit for heaven. So we just need to understand that God blessed these people in spite of themselves. But the story is taken up for the most part in the book of Genesis, at least from 12 through 50, during this patriarchal period with two figures that get the majority of the print, and that is Abraham and Joseph second. Joseph got 13 chapters basically dedicated to him. He is a great figure in the story of God and his father, Jacob, of course, was blessed beyond measure. His name was changed. He wrestled with God. He was crippled for the rest of his life after that encounter. But Joseph is the person that we first encounter in chapter 30. But when you begin to look at his story, then in chapter 37, it picks up speed about Joseph. Now, Joseph evidently was a spoiled child. At least he was until he was sold into Egyptian bondage. And he was proud. Now, Jacob, Israel, favored him. He was partial toward him. And the boys knew that. The rest of the boys knew that. And they didn't like Jacob for doing that. They resented their father for doing that. And they resented Joseph, who was always going around telling them how they were one day going to bow down to them. You can read about that in chapter 37. But on a given day, those boys were out taking care. They were grown men, of course. I call them boys, but they were grown men. They were out tending the flocks. And as you know, they would go from place to place because if you've ever been to Israel, you know, even in Samaria, certain times of the year, you have to wander with sheep in order to give them grass and water because it's not all in one place and they don't get a lot of rain over there from about March onward. Sometimes you'll get an April, sometimes a May shower, but the greenery turns to brown and golden very quickly and for a period of six, sometimes seven months, it doesn't rain, a significant rain, certainly nationwide and countrywide. And so they had to move around and so they had gone a good ways from where Jacob Jacob had set up his tent, Israel had set up his tent, and so he sent his favored son and his coat of many colors, and he sent this boy to check on his brothers, which was a huge mistake from the standpoint of just being a father and, and not realizing what was going on in the relationships with his sons. Now, let me just very quickly say, God takes our mistakes and uses them for our good and his glory. And this has happened not just in the New Testament. This has always been the case. Even what the enemy means for evil, certainly in Joseph's life, we have the epitome of a story of a man where many people meant him harm, but God took what they meant for harm and turned it around for good and for a way of salvation. Many times this is a story of God all the way through. But Joseph, when you read in chapter 37... 
it says that they had plotted to kill Joseph when they saw this dreamer coming toward them because he's always telling dreams. Even Jacob had to rebuke him for telling dreams when he said that even his father and mother would bow down before him. And indeed, that did happen. But the scripture says that when Joseph went to see his brothers, that they said, here he comes. Let's take care of this problem once and for all. And they were going to kill him. But Reuben and Judah, they persuaded the brothers from killing Joseph. And so they decided they would just sell him to a group of Ishmaelites. They are Midianites. And as they were going on the trade route, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, but I want to read the scriptures here. The Bible says that it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Now this is 3725. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Now that I will explain in just a moment. And they were coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. Fascinating. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders, somebody will say, Well, the Bible says they're Ishmaelites. Well, it says, Then the Midianite traders. Why? Because the Ishmaelites were Midianites. Then Midian, uh, the Midian traders passed by, so that the brothers pulled Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. Now, the brothers meant to get rid of Joseph, but God had other plans in mind. Now, this is very important. And I want to just give you a side note, a digression, because we will deal with Joseph again in the next podcast to introduce the days of bondage in Egypt, as God had told Abraham in chapter 15, that would happen. See, God was not taken by surprise. But I want to deal with a cultural aspect and a historical aspect of something here and let you know that in the story of God, as I have told you over and over again throughout these 350 podcasts, that every Bible writer from Moses to John, and Moses is the one that copied down and wrote down this particular passage, the first five books of the Bible, every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language, of course, the history and the geography and the cultural context of the day. Now, this is very important in this passage. Why so? Because you have the mention of the Midianites, and very specifically, it says they came from Gilead. Now, if you're standing at Beth Shan, you can get out your maps and look at this. Beth Shan, that's the way it would look in our English maps, B-E-T-H, and it would say Shean, S-H-E-A-N. It's literally Beth Shan in modern Hebrew. But it is at the mouth of the Jordan Valley. You can stand on the great tail that is at the foot of Mount Gilboa and look directly across the Jordan Valley to the land of Gilead in the Bible. Now, the land of Gilead in the Bible went all the way from the Yarmouk Valley, which is at the southern tip of the Sea of Galilee, all the way down past the Jabbok Ravine. And that is a long way. That was called Gilead. Everything from just past that on down 
down to Edom was called Moab. That's where the plains were at the Jordan Valley at the mouth of the Dead Sea that the Israelites were camped some 450 years after this particular passage that we're dealing with. And so this is very important because what anyone who's reading this that's familiar with the history and the geography of this place, they would know that every year marauders came over. They were still doing it during the days of Gideon. The Midianites would come across, also called Ishmaelites. They would come across from Gilead. They would come at a crossing there called the Adam Crossing, which is still there today. They've now put up a border station. They would come by Betshan. It was a very important trading point, and they would go into the eastern part of the Jezreel Valley. It's called the Harod Valley, but it's all part of the same geographical strata. And they would come into the Jezreel Valley, and many would go to that Jezreel Valley, and they would raid anybody that had harvested any crops because it was like a breadbasket and had plenty of water in that valley. Yes, the Jezreel Valley, the Valley of Armageddon, is a huge valley, and it is a very fertile valley because of the flooding that takes place from the various rivers that run through there, especially the Kishon. So they would go to the Iron Pass, which is where Megiddo is, and go through the pass in the Samaritan Mountains that would lead them to the Via Maris, what the Romans call the Via Maris, the way of the sea, and would go down into Egypt because you have to go that way or go down the Jordan Valley simply because you can't get over the mountains. They're so tall and steep. So that was not the only place. The Iron Pass was the, where Megiddo is, was the great pass. It was the best way to go through. But you could also take a shorter pass and a more narrow pass, and you could go through the Valley of Dothan. Now, the Valley of Dothan also had a pass that emptied out into the Via Maris. And so these Ishmaelites, these Midianites, would have known that way very, very well And that's what they were doing. They were doing what they did every year. This was not some special devised caravan. It was in the providence of God that year. But they were doing what they did every year. They were at the end of one of the great trade routes and spice routes and in Gilead and Moab. So they would come across the Jordan Valley because it was easier. And they would cut through the pass that led in the Dothan Valley, the Dothan Valley, Dothan, and then it would empty out into the Via Maris, the way of the sea, and go down through what we know as Ashkelon, Ashdod, Gaza, and that way, and go down into Egypt and North Africa for trade. They would come back and uh, do the same thing. They did that every year. But the Midianites would also pick up slaves along the way and sell them to the Egyptians. This was a very common practice. Human trafficking is not new. It's been going on since man uh, and the fall of man. And this was what was going on there. And so this is just a historical and geographical note to let everyone who knew about this know. Now, I mentioned Gideon. You remember that this same thing was happening. Now, uh, Gideon was the time of the judges, which was from 1375 B.C. down to 1051, a period of well over 350 years. Even this time. Now, you're looking at right now somewhere around 2019-something when this 
incident took place here with Joseph. And the Bible says that in 1446, they came out. What I'm telling you is 400 years later, 400 years later, and past that, some 450 to 60 years later, the Midianites are still doing the same thing. They were coming over, and Gideon just happened to be raised up to thwart them, and that's where they were still coming through that same valley. Those of you who have been to Israel with me, you know I go to the Horod Springs where Gideon tested the men, and I show you that just right across the valley is where the Midianites were at the hill Moray. You say, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says that's where they were. You see, history is important. Geography is important. Well, just give me Jesus. Well, there's more to the Bible than Jesus. I know that sounds heretical, but there was a lot of things that happened in the great story of God to get us to the Son of God being born in Bethlehem living a perfect life, dying as a substitute for our sins. Yes, that was the fullness of time, but it wasn't the end of time because Jesus didn't just die for our sins. He was buried and rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven, and it's been 2,000 years since, and the story's still going on, and it's not ended yet because he's coming again. He's coming again. There's going to be a whole lot of time left from right now to the end of time as we know it. And so please understand that the story of God goes beyond the cross. It goes beyond the resurrection. We're still part of the story of God today, and that's enough for today as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.